Hi there, welcome to issue three of Dark Sky Pod. My name is David, I'm here at the Scottish Dark Sky Observatory. This time around we'll have a look at what's up in the November night sky and we'll also again talk to Dr James Sylvester about his work as an astronomer. So we're now into the month of November and you will have noticed that the clocks turn back to Greenwich Mean Time at the beginning of the month so we're now heading full steam through the darker skies of winter and you'll notice that November darkness approaching earlier and earlier as the month goes on. It'll get darker earlier on in the evening and the nights will be much longer. So really the winter is a much better time of year to do some astronomy and stargazing as you don't really have to be out quite as late as night to see some stars and to see darker skies. There's quite a bit of meteor activity throughout this month. We've got the Torrid meteor shower active at the beginning of November. It's best seen in the first couple of weeks of November before the, the moon starts to really dominate the night sky. Uh, and the constellation of Taurus is quite well high up in the sky by the late evening. So if you do want to see some meteors, wait till it's dark, see if it's clear and you should be able to see some. Torrid meteors are quite distinctively slow in the sky and you do get the occasional bright flaring meteor. Further on into the month, the nights of the 17th and 18th, the Leonid meteor shower will peak, quite a famous meteor shower. So again, if you're out on those nights and it is clear, you've got a chance of seeing quite a bit of meteor activity, hopefully. Now, in terms of viewing planets in the night sky, you've still got the planet Mars just about visible on the southwestern horizon in the early evening. It is going to disappear quite quickly below the horizon, uh, so you'll have to wait just until it gets dark and then you should be able to see it for a couple of hours after that. It's not really well placed now, um, it's getting lower in the sky, harder to observe, and Mars is also about 100 million miles from the Earth, so it's low down and it's shrinking in size, so it's quite difficult to observe now. However, the planet Venus is moving further away from the Sun in the sky, and so by the end of November, it'll be quite well visible in the evening twilight. Again, as with Mars, look low down in the southwestern sky, after the sun has set and you should just about be able to see it. In December it's going to be quite a brilliant object again low down in that early evening sky so stay tuned for December and the planet Venus. If you'd like to see the planet Jupiter that's now returning to the night sky but it's really for early morning observers. Around about four or five o'clock in the morning look low in the southeastern sky and you should be able to see a bright point of light which will be the planet Jupiter. Wait until the sort of morning of the 25th of November and you can make out the crescent moon alongside Jupiter. It will make quite a close pairing in the sky. So if you want to try and find Jupiter, wait until the 25th and you can catch it in that pairing with the moon. This time of year is quite a good time if you're a telescope observer. There are lots of good double stars on display that will be quite easily visible in a telescope if you know where to point them. One of them is a star in Andromeda called Almac, which is quite an interesting star to view in a telescope. When you have a look at it in the sky, it'll appear as a single point of light. In a telescope, you'll be able to split it up into its two companions, which in the case of Almac is a, a yellow star paired up with a, a fainter, smaller silver companion. You've also got another famous double star called Albirio, a star in the constellation of Cygnus, which is quite a famous favourite one for astronomers to look at in a telescope. Again, it will look like a single star in the sky, but it breaks up into a pairing of a bright orange and a bright blue star in the telescope eyepiece. Otherwise, Almac and Albirio look like fairly ordinary, insignificant stars to the naked eye. By the end of November, you've got the full array of winter constellations starting to become visible in the later part of the evening. 
They'll be rising up in the eastern sky, gradually heading across the southern sky. So those constellations, the more famous ones perhaps of Taurus and Gemini and Orion, start to become well visible in the late night of November. Right towards the end of November, you've got the brightest star in the night sky called Sirius, rising up off the horizon around about midnight, with that key constellation of Orion right there in the centre of the southern sky late at night. The observatory was recently visited by Dr James Sylvester, an astronomer from the University of Uppsala in Sweden, and I spoke to him about his work as an astronomer. So you're a research astronomer in Sweden at Uppsala University. Is research astronomer the right sort of phrase to call you? Um, yes, yeah, so that's pretty much the right phrase to use. You know, research astronomer, research scientist. Um, I'm on a contract to perform research. Um, I mean, another term is a postdoctoral researcher, but that's not so well understood outside of academic circles. But from time to time, as well as doing the more sort of office-based uh, computational research, you do try to get out to observatories when possible? Yeah, um, I'm uh, sort of involved with groups that have a lot of telescope projects and time. And typically there's always someone in the group that has to volunteer to go to the telescopes. And seeing as I don't have any family or any sort of reasons that I can't travel, then then I try and make myself available for that. And what is your main research subject? Um, so my main research subject globally, uh, you could call it the research of stellar magnetism. So that's studying the magnetic fields of stars. Um, particularly, I study the magnetic fields of uh, A and B type stars, and these are stars that are, you know, two to three to four times the size of the sun. Um, so these are more massive stars. So the stars I study are very structured um, and, and globally ordered. So the field is essentially like a bar magnet has been stuck in the centre of the star, and that makes them easily detectable from the Earth. And we study them um, with spectral polarimeters, um, which are installed on some various telescopes around the world. Uh, in Hawaii, Chile and France and the main goal of my research is actually to make maps so I make magnetic maps of the star um, by getting data as the star is rotating. So in a similar way to how the solar system's star the sun is observed you're just doing it over large distances? Yeah so over large distances the complication is that the sun um, has a very complex field and it has a field that changes on quite a short time scale um, and in fact, the global strength of the magnetic field of the sun is very weak. So if the sun was at a distance that a lot of other stars are at, we wouldn't be able to know much about its field at all. Um, whereas the stars I study have very strong fields, which are very easy to detect, even at great distances. Now, as part of your work, you do get to visit other observatories around the world. Have you been to any recently? Uh, yes. So recently this year, I went to the La Sierra Observatory, which is in Chile. Uh, this is an observatory on the edge of the Atacama Desert. The Atacama Desert is the driest place on the planet, so that's why there's lots of observatories there. Um, and in fact, from La Silla, you can see an American observatory just in an adjacent hill or uh, hill mountain, I should say. So it is quite a concentrated area for astronomy research. So I was there observing with the 3.6 metre telescope, which is the largest telescope on La Silla. Uh, and this is a telescope which has generally been used in the past for finding extrasolar planets. So this is planets around other stars um, and I'm one of our group is one of the few groups that actually use it to study magnetic fields because there's a mode on the telescope where we can actually study magnetic fields of stars as opposed to looking for planets. Thanks again to James for talking to us for the podcast. 
we'll hope to have more guests on in future talking about their particular field of interest in astronomy or space or science. You've been listening to Dark Sky Pod. For more information about events at the Scottish Dark Sky Observatory, you can check out our website at scottishdarkskyobservatory.co.uk and keep a lookout for more issues of Dark Sky Pod. <laughs>